Hello and welcome to or welcome back to the MK Performance Podcast. Okay, welcome to the MK Performance Podcast. This is Grant Schofield and I'm here with the MK Performance myself, Matt Kerr. G'day, Matt. Good afternoon, how are you? Grouchy. Oh, fuck is what I am at the moment. I've got a sore Tell name. me more. Tell me more. Uh, I don't know, like, get listeners' input on this. But, you know, like, it just seems as the older you get, the harder it is to get fit. Been doing like a three week challenge. It's going to get my weight down. You know, went down like 0.5 of a kilo and then went back up again. And then um, went for a run, got a sore knee. I didn't really didn't get a sore knee. And now it's just like, the knee's so sore that I've got to take painkillers, which I've now lost. And everyone's like, oh, you should uh, foam roll that out. What are people's experience with foam rollers? Like, has anyone ever had any fun with a foam roller? Like, is that a thing? I don't think it is. It's not like you, see, you don't see results there. It's not like you do the foam rolling and go, oh, that's all sorted now. It's just like hurts and then you leave. Um, yeah. But maybe people who know more about foam rolling and what you're supposed to do. Um, or maybe I'm so tight that foam rolling isn't, I'm not able to foam roll. Right. I feel like a lot of what you preach as someone looking at someone's performance is really hard to try and dictate or adopt yourself. You know, like you had an Achilles injury before this, eh? Oh, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, well, that was just... Like, what was that from? Tell me what that was from. Because if you well, told me, no, it's if, because if I had if I had done that, you would have you would have called me something which was quite rude. <laughs> Didn't you run like eight days in a row or something, and you got an alcoholism? Well, so I was going to need to get running fit again. I haven't been doing running. I should just run every day. So yeah. I did that until I couldn't anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's bloody helpless, isn't it? Yeah, most. No, nah, but this this knee thing like does actually sound quite bad. The fact that you've actually had to take some painkillers for it and it blew up. At swimming tonight, like, that was uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm a hopeless kick anyway, but it was like you had to do kick, and I was like, oh, this is actually hurting. Um, yeah, anyway, don't ask how people are sometimes because then they tell you what they really think, and no one really wants that. Why don't we talk about actual um, performance and triathlon, that sort of stuff? Have you been? I'll just get back to it. Like, it's been it's been a while, eh? and there's, we've had, I actually had quite a bit of feedback going, like, when's the next podcast coming? haven't heard from you guys in a while um what's going on so yeah i mean it has been a while there's been a lot going on there's been a bit of travel in between um we've had some racing uh we we do have some some good we've got two good guests coming on on the podcast in the next let's say four weeks so with this podcast releasing we've got another two coming out part of that blueprint uh which is super exciting we've got a recording this week and another one next week so We've got um, yeah, those. Tell me more about that. Uh, we got uh, Mickey Willingham coming on. Oh yeah, uh, make sure you ask her about about protein. Like she's really good on protein. That's yeah. We've definitely got one of those. Well, that's one of the topics. So she's she's quite. Yeah, she's going to be awesome. Yeah, be really cool to chat with her. Um, and I know you've done. You were actually her two hundredth um, podcast, weren't you? Yeah, I was number one. And number, number one. Two. Yeah, I was the very first person on that one. Uh, yeah. Okay, and who's the other one? Uh, Leighton from S-Fuels. 
Oh yeah, he's he he actually knows his stuff. Uh, he goes, "Oh, I'm just a naturopath, self-trained," and then he just gets into all the stuff of fructose and stuff, and you're like, "Oh, well, you passed my pay grade, mate." Uh, he's he's amazing on that stuff. You know, I've had some crook guts, or I've been. Yeah, he's got quite some really good knowledge around gut health and uh, what to take here, what to take there. So I'll uh, be yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Those two two on coming up, plus this one, and uh, we're on a roll again. Actually, we'll, we'll talk about um, how can I put it tactfully, just like stuff ups that you know, um, things like your um, bike riding, for example. Like we've been yeah. um, thinking about that, and like you know, most people who who take you know their triathlon time trial seriously, you know, they'll know their power, they'll know sort of the velocity they'll get for their power, you know, depending on their weight and their aero setup and all that sort of stuff, and um, I suppose for you, at least when you were at the top of the age group field, that was returning pretty good numbers for speed, right? Do you want to give some indications of what, what you were getting? Yeah, exactly. Um, there's been, yeah, I mean, for the two, you know, 280 watts, there was a couple of races where I was returning 42k an hour average for 90k. Um, mixed terrain, we had like a fire take back to the mount, for example, which was a really flat course in 2021. Uh, I rode 313 watts and averaged 44.5k an hour. Uh, sunny coast 2021, I rode 303 watts normalized and went 42.5k an hour. Yeah, so like um, that, that nearly 45k an hour is just about two hours flat. That's yep. what's going, right? And uh, in the 42 is k's an hour still 208 or 7 or something or 9 or something, isn't it? So these are amazingly good times and you're just soloing that. Yeah, like I'm out, I'm not in a group, I'm not in a pack. It's I'm literally out the front of the age group race, just pushing my own numbers. Uh, yeah. Sorry, in fact, you know, actually, in fact, I, I lied that um, Mount race, I raced elite, so there was a bit of um, encouragement there from other athletes when in the pro field. Yep, but even so, good, good, good times, yep. good returns. Um, and then you know, for sort of two seventy somethings for Ironman, you're returning like you know four and a half hours on you know hard course like Taupo. Yes, correct. Um, yep. And yeah, you know, for two eighty something at. Western Australia, you're returning like uh, 4.19 or something like that? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so it's quick and good time. So you're getting good aero and that sort of stuff. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, what's happened recently? Um, I feel like in the last few races, we're actually going the other way. So, you know, in the space of two years of riding, we should be going actually a stronger rider. We're, we're pushing more numbers, therefore we should see better velocity. And in fact, it's actually gone the other way. We're, we're pushing the same, if not more power, but actually returning less speed on some of the same courses, for example. So Sunshine Coast just been um, pushed 309 normalised, which is not like outrageous, not out there. Um, and came back with uh, 30 high 38s an hour, okay, now. Yeah. Um, so, 
And Langkawi in Malaysia? Langkawi in Malaysia was 305, and that was low, 38k an hour. Um, admittedly, that was a bit more of a mixed terrain course, but still... Um, it's not hard to seeing, fly from New Zealand, is it? No, we're seeing far better velocity in other pro riders. Like, I was significantly down, like 10 minutes down from where I should have been. Um, and what do you put that down to? Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we're going, like, is it the bike? Is it my position? Because um, I wasn't actually at the race, and I was seeing these numbers, and I'm going... I'm ringing your dad on the run going, well, he's obviously sick. You couldn't be that slow without being sick. Yeah. And your dad's going, oh, Grant's saying pull out if you're sick. And you're like, oh, I'm not sick. I don't know what he's on about. And so then I'm going, well, if he's not sick, something wrong with his bike. Uh, <laughs> and um, what, then you, so that we were talking about that. Then you rang me as you were wheeling your bike out of the transition area. What did you notice? Uh, well, that's in Langawi. First, let's go back to Queensland and to Sunny Coast. Come out of Queensland and the bike mechanic, John, who I deal with, is there. And the bike's making like a rickety noise, squeaking on the back disc. And, yeah, there's like friction between the brake pad or the rotor and the pad, right? So You spin them, just your disc wheel around and what happens? Yeah, like it doesn't spin freely. It, it touches. And it's not touching because we're bo- uh, bent rotor like there's actually been movement where the rotor's pressed up against the pad and um yeah so john's going oh it doesn't sound good so you know actually to get the bike home to save embarrassment i'm lifting the seat the saddle up so the back wheel wasn't isn't actually moving because it's that loud um and kind of didn't pay like paid attention to it going like well that's that's pretty average um but yeah, didn't pay enough attention to it, right? Um, went into Langawi, and I think we're quite methodical around that stuff. Like, that this doesn't just go on without riding it. You know, it goes on two, two or three days out. It, it gets a test ride. It gets a test run. Um, everything is charged. Um, make sure that, that everything's changing. There's no friction between the the pad and the rotor at all. Everything's good. You rack your bike and the bike's in the best shape that it should be, as it is at the start of every race. I guess after Langawi picked it up out of transition and I sent you a video of how bad it actually was. The wheel was barely moving around um, and, in fact, just like awkwardly embarrassing, wheeling it out of the pro rack going, yeah, that's what I rode my 90 cab bike on. Ouch. So there's a few watts. A few watts, like there's quite a bit there. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's a bit of a shitty situation to to come to grips with because that's just something that shouldn't really be happening at all. Um, I guess we're going, there's something happening between the change of wheels, putting a disc wheel on, and it's the disc. Um, and we need to mitigate that and just actually find out what it is and, and prevent it from happening again. And so you had that whole hydraulic bike system overhauled and you put the disc back on and it hasn't happened again but uh. it hasn't happened again so yeah I'm on like I'm racing this weekend at Noosa and the disc I've just put the disc on so I've got a couple I've still got some really good rides to to be done this week in terms of time and duration that would 
uh, replicate 90k or the duration out there. So, and the disc will stay on now until Noosa. So, um, we'll ride it hard up until Noosa on the disc. And um, yeah, hopefully we go through that going. We're done with that problem. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason people should probably know about out there is that one of the reasons that we've, um, that we've ended up with taking a while to do this podcast is this topic's been a little bit of a sensitive one, I suppose. Uh, yeah, super sensitive. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, you, <laughs> you, <laughs> what's the, uh, the Huss, um, Huss uh, um, manager, what's his name? Steiner. Um, Gunter uh, Steiner. Gunter, no, it's not good. Yeah, is it Gunter Steiner? Yeah, the Huss um, Formula One. Oh, this is the Formula One guy. So this is in the first Formula One series. Um, Gunter Steiner is the manager for Haas, Haas Racing. And um, that's that one that's funded by that guy, Haas, who's the American guy that puts $100 million in. Um, and then two races in a row, they they pull into the pits to change their tyres and they can't get the buddy wheel nuts back on properly. So that's the end of the whole race, you know, like millions of dollars. Um, and there's a famous clip of Gunter talking to the um, to Haas, the team owner, Going, yeah, yeah, yeah. We start the day as rock stars, end up a bunch of wankers, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was sending you clips of that. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly the predicament that we felt like we're we're all of a sudden we're maxed out on the age group. We won twenty twenty one World Champs age group. You know, the Ironman there and and um, multiple course records, and then we get into some pro racing and coming across issues like this and just. Yeah, we feel like we were rock stars and now we're just a bunch of effing wankers. Literally his words. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit awful. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and plus also the your aero position that you had in the previous setup on the trek. Um you spent but quite a bit of time trying to do that on the um felt, which is an awesome bike. Um, but you probably haven't quite got the aero right there e- either. Yeah, that's an epic segue. Um, I mean that trek was a super fast bike and we can see that in the numbers and we had that cockpit change into the watch shop and I think I honestly honestly I said to you I think we I think I got super lucky in that position that we changed a few things and and did a whole lot we got the POC helmet which suited my shoulders and we just got into a position that was super aero super comfortable and I could hold it and, and still push power and I think what we did was try and replicate that position exactly to the felt. Um, and it hasn't translated, to be honest. It hasn't translated exactly into that that old trek position. Um, so we've look, re-looked at that as well. Um, and, yeah, working with a guy down um, in Brisbane at the moment just on some changes around that, which is it has been really interesting today. And I've only had one session with him, but... Um, just some things like even uh, this, the angle of the saddle, um, what that does in terms of dropping my whole shoulders and, and body position, trying to get a bit more of a flatter back, uh, bringing like the saddle the, down. He put the seat down back and tilted it slightly forward. It was like, you know, none of the things that come naturally to me. I was like, well, have it slightly up, you know, flat flat saddle, you know, yeah. far forward as you can probably get it open the hip angle up and all that. And it's just like completely the opposite to that. And that's actually working quite well. Yeah. 100% shorter cranks sort of we'll see what slamming the front does going dropping that down quite a bit 
Um, oh, the overall height because you drop your seat height and everything. Yeah, it's actually all relative to that. So although we've come down quite a bit on the front, I mean, it's relative to what we've dropped the saddle as well. So, um, yeah, it's the next stage. Tell us, about the short, tell us about the shorter cranks thing. That's another thing that I was just – like it, it's getting out of my pay grade, to be honest. It's just like holy – I was on 172 and a half uh, before and he dropped my saddle. There's, there's, there was quite a bit of rocking going on in my hips and I've been aware of this since I had, you know, we had Ben saying that to me last year and you've always said that to me and even you jump on any of my bikes going, jeepers, that saddle seems really high. And I'm the and same you're, height you're, as you. You're about the same height as me, you know, going so... Um, typically I've ridden a lot, probably a lot higher than what I need to. Um, maybe there's been some more stress through my hips as a result of that. Maybe we've lost some power and probably actually not doing the runoff as economically as possible that, that we could be. Yeah. Um, so bringing the saddle down has been a thing to minimize that rock. But, um, in contrast to that, there's only so much, like I do have some long levers, those are my legs and and all of a sudden it feels like there was a lot of space you know there's a lot of time where my knee was just a little bit gammy at the top so going slightly shorter on the cranks um was just trying to prevent that and also because we've lowered it um preventing the femur from protruding higher than what it really should and counterbalancing what we're actually trying to prevent in the rock of the hips if that makes sense so rather than the hips rocking uh, on the downward because the saddle's too high, now we've brought the saddle down, we've got longer cranks, so actually we've gone the other way where the rock is happening more on the upward, if that makes sense. So imagining the theme is going higher than what it should. Um, to mitigate that, we've got shorter cranks. So yeah, well, I, 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 I actually got no idea what you're talking about talking about now but the, um, <laughs> I mean it's just interesting because I think things have changed a lot I mean I would have typically had a you know, reasonably high seat height having it pushed forward um, and flat so you could slide along the thing of it um, and you know people would always go for longer cranks I mean back in the day they were going 175 some guys would go 177.5s even heard of 180s um, you know with the idea you just get more leverage uh, yeah. But, you know, really that's just there's obviously trade-offs there as well and um, people are starting to think more about those now and, you know, you, you would typically think of 165 as like a, you know, a mini crank for, you know, little girl size type thing or something. But no, it's yeah it's interesting how that's changed. So, um, you know, so these these guys, they take you down and put you on a, a track, but you haven't actually done this bit yet, and then they, you know, they send you around the track at a given velocity. You have to ride at 44 k's an hour or something. Um, yeah. What for three three minutes or something, or how long? How long do you go for? I think it's like three three k's worth at that set speed. So it's not to power; it's to speed. Yeah, and then they see how much power it takes to generate that speed, yeah. and they put it into their little computer system and they work out that CDA. What does CDA even stand for again? It's something to do with aerodynamics, eh? Yeah. Drag coefficient of drag, something like that. Um, and so that that's. Just, just tell me about it that because the guy they they also do calculations based on your own road files, yeah. With yeah, like coefficient, coefficient of drag, right? Yeah. Um, um, so it's like your frontal area, the whole bike, what the whole bike's taking up. Yeah, and they and they do um, those CDA um, 
like calculations are done on multiple platforms and they, he, he's done a few of them. Um, and uh, they're just a ballpark figure to go, like this is your approximate CDA of this course for that power, uh, for the velocity that you're returning. So I sent him four files of different races, um, two on the trek and two on the felt. And it was really interesting to see what numbers he spat back in terms of CDA. Like I sent him that Mount one, for example, and that was 0 0.2, 2, I think it was. Um, yep. I'm in New Zealand on the felt was 0 0.23. And then the two felt ones were like 0 0.25 and 0 0.28. So um, to give you an approximate number of what that actually means, like what is that 0 0.2? 0 0.23 is like, we go, that's what I guess we're aiming for. Anything below that, the lower, the better. Um, so 0 0.010 is a, equivalent i believe to 10 watts okay so you were like 0.06 difference which is 60 watts for the same velocity that you had to generate so that's quite a big difference so people you know i honestly see a lot of age groupers you want to get faster it's in it's in aerodynamics man like it's an astonishing thing you know like you could go very fast with very few watts and just to illustrate that um one of the MK performance athletes who was the uh, overall women's age group champion for Ironman New Zealand, Laura Benlin Stevens, who just recently did Kona. Um, you know, she's she hasn't got a super. She's got a really nice bike, uh, but she hasn't got this, this whole sort of you know three D printed you know pro front end like you have and you know all the pros have. She's got the standard errors on that, but she's very still. Um, mm -hmm. She's very considered and she rides pretty well, but. You know, for 130 to 140 watts, she's pretty bloody fast. Like I think yeah. Ironman New Zealand, she did 139 watts normalized, and Kona she did 140 normalized, and she rode 515 at Kona. It's a pretty good effort. It's astonishing. It actually is, and you know, and it's consistent. And people go like, "Well, power meters are all different." Yeah, but what you argue is it's all relative to her power she's on the same power meter for every single race and the oh, numbers but she gets the same numbers on her on, on her i'm pretty happy with that power meter because it's just pretty similar to what she gets on her um wahoo as well and all that sort of stuff exactly that's it it's all relative like it, yeah. it is true and it's accurate you know yeah so, so, um, so she i think she returns she returns the best velocity by power i mean a lot of people would like to go 515 for their ironman ride at kona um and you know she's done it you know, with not that many watts. Yeah, you know, fair enough. Fair enough. She's lighter, but still, yeah. You know. So um, yeah, hey, cool. So I guess no, that no, I, just, I just did a bit more googling on that, Matt. Um, yeah. And you know, that's sort of the best CDA. So you're getting point two twos and point two threes as your best, and point two eights as your worst. Yeah, you'd be on a road bike, you'd be up at like point four. So yeah, that's that's a serious difference in watts, right? Like sitting mm -hmm. up on your mountain bikes, like even more than that. It's just you know, excruciating how much air you're pushing. Um, the best you can see is some, you know, the best sort of track bike setup. So someone's on a track bike. I mean, there's not much to the bike. They've got no brakes. They've not got no derailers. They've got disc front and rear. They've got, you know, super, you know, everything. Their head's so down, they can't even, even see where they're going. And you don't even really need to see where you're going as long as you can see the line two inches in front of you. Um, their gloves are like integrated with their sleeves of their suit, you know? Yeah, yeah. That that's, might, that's, what, that's what we're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and those ones are getting like 0.165. Um, 
Um, so yeah, I mean, you're like still 50 watts more. You're having to push on your on the best, you know, TT bike on the road um, yeah. for the same velocity. Uh, plus, they're on a better rolling resistance surface as well. I guess that's counted in, isn't it? Um, but yeah, amazing thing. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's going to be interesting. And then yeah, jump on the velodrome there, and they will now test different variables. So we're going to test between the different st three different stack heights at the front. We're going to test between a couple of saddle positions, fully kitted out. So so we know actually this is more favourable rather than just going hit and miss uh, guessing. So yeah, you know, it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. People say those. Uh, uh, calf sleeves could make eight watts difference. There's like 0.01 on your CDA. Um, yeah. I think your purpose suits and stuff are switching. You've, you've got very nice suits. In fact, it's the you know best clothing. That stuff. It's awesome. Um, their tri suit is particularly good for hot conditions. Um, but they're actually going to just change their sleeves to be the aero sleeves. It'll be interesting. Yeah, which is exciting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it'll be interesting. Yeah. And the, it is quite a big aero area, and it's whether just the regular fabric or the aero sleeves make a difference. Mm, uh, yeah, totally. And I think it's they're also investigating around like not just slapping a a beaded um, aero tube on there. Like actually, what is what's the surface area of the that's actually hitting that that particular bead and how big or small do they make it. So there's a bit of work going into that. So oh, is that um, right? That's cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. So yeah. So that's cool. the so, bike project, isn't it? It's like it's a bit you know, in some ways it's slightly awkward for both of us really. Coaching mm -hmm. it, you know, like there's um setup issues, there's just like mechanical issues. Like, oh my God, you know, like um you know, riding around with your brakes on. It's like you can't Front up afterwards, go. I didn't. I don't think I raced as fast as I did because my brakes were on. It's like it's embarrassing. And and we're going at the point in time. Well, that's not. That's definitely not a topic that you bring up in a podcast. Like hundred percent not. You're that's, like no, no, definitely not. That's no, not. And then we're like, well, we've done this sort of stuff on like. I think one of the good things about the what I like about this progress and stuff that you're doing is it's like. You know, it's all secret about the numbers and no one knows power. It's just interesting to know the power like, and, and things and stuff up. So that's what you want to know. Like everyone's like, oh, yeah, this this all secret, secret, hush, hush, and no one knows their thing. I, I like that guy, Frederick Funk, for the, the uh, German guy for that very reason. He's the one guy of all the pros who just puts his power on Strava and you can see his numbers. And, you know, fair enough, he's a beast, but you can see where he's at. Yeah. Oh, he actually goes out to you and go once he puts all numbers out and goes, Is there anything else anyone wants to know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, like, I, I think yeah. we're trying to do that and it's like, and just say what the stuff ups are as well and what the good things are. Um, we we learn something. Other people might also learn it as well, or they can just, you know, go, Well, I think they're wrong. So that's cool. What idiots? One of the two. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would try and got a few races coming out. Got this Noosa triathlon the Olympic distance this weekend it's like a non-wetsuit non-drafting Olympic distance which is an unusual sort of format right yeah yeah it's pretty uh pretty daunting to be honest like I mean I raced it must have been two or three years ago in COVID and I was racing they've got three different you know they've got the elite which is the pro 
and then they've got uh, open category and then the, your age group races after that. And I was racing in the open category. Um, and you can choose to be there and you don't need to pro license to it. Yeah. And like the elite start before you and I, I'm out on the run course going, holy shit, these guys are like next level. They, they are running, they're racing so quick. So, um, and here I am on Sunday lining up in that field. So um, there's good, there's going to be some weapons there, there's some guns there, and that's what some of those guys specialize in. But um, I'm really excited to get out there. And it's Olympic distance. It's not really what we, uh, you know, I guess what we're doing day to day, but it's an awesome opportunity to go and um, yeah, swim as hard as I can. And, and there's going to be some faster swimmers there, of course, but do everything you can to for me to get as far on some of those front feet as possible or as close to that second group as I can. And then um, just ride extremely hard. Um, it's 40K, um, quite a cool course with that Garmin Hill included in it. And um, and then back into Noosa and yeah. And then just run through the run, to be honest, I've got 70.3 the weekend after. So there's not, that's just an opportunity to not completely uh, destroy the legs, but still have have a good brick session. Um, but I guess yeah, the the real key for us out of this race is is the first two disciplines. Yeah, I mean it's, a, it's such a um, I hadn't quite Dan Plews have been saying this to me. He's like, well, you know, um, and he says it from his own experience. He's like, well, you know, age group racing is one thing, but the gap across to pros is like pretty big. Like, oh yeah, well, yeah, here we go. But he's bloody right, you know. Like, like you can lose, you can be completely out of the race after the swim. You can be completely out. You can keep up with the swim, but be completely out of the race after the bike. Um, and you can be right there at the front at the end of the swim and the bike, which is some extraordinary feat to be honest. Um, and you can still be absolutely nowhere. So at the end of the run, because yeah, the people there's just a whole lot of guys that are excellent at everything. Uh, yes. So you know, but good on you. I think it's it's a it's a good test, and you know, obviously you do well in age group. You want to go into that next level and see how you can do it. And I think you can, you know, I mean, the good thing for you is you are a pretty good swimmer. So you're all going well. You're not going to necessarily be first out, but you can be thereabouts. Um, you have demonstrated in the past that your biking has been really good. It's just, I think, our next steps to try and get that back and even improve it. Um, and at least you can be there at the end of that. Um, and then, you yeah, know, we'll, we're obviously always concentrating on running as well. But, yeah, that's that's another project. I think Ironman's a bit different um, probably for you because it's like, well, um, you've demonstrated your ability to um, run, run quite a high percentage of your other paces in Ironman um, mm. you know, in those 250 ranges, which is pretty good actually. Um, so, you know, if you come off somewhere near the front of the bike and can still run that, you're still going to do bloody well. So yeah, it's it's the first first several months of this has been more of a challenge than you would think, right? Oh, hundred percent. And we're going like after Canada's little blow up. Actually, we reflected on Canada and going, would have that disc issue happened in Canada? And uh, we're we're at a high probability going. Yes, it would have happened. Uh, and in fact, it would have happened for one hundred eighty k, which would have been pretty bad. Eh? Anyway, moving on from that. Running um, along with your brakes on for 180k. Yeah, because then... 180k, you... that'd be a long, like, 180k. Um, so, yeah, I mean, back to the Sunny Coast race, and we learned pretty quickly that just the swim there affected the entire race. Like, 
I was two minutes out of the swim down on the front group and there's no way we were making that two minutes back on those six or seven guys that exited the water in the front group. They were away. They were gone, right? That was, that like, was see you later. That was the end of that. So um, turn that well, tried to turn that round in Lingawi and went, actually, you just need to be on right from the gun, even if it's to the first can, because we're not, we're going, those guys are not two minute better swimmers than you or than yeah. me. Yeah, but they might be, they might be, uh, they might be faster swimmers, but when they're not two minutes faster than you. No, especially um, when you get the chance to draft off them, you've got that advantage. Yeah. Right? yeah. So they're just sending it from basically the gun to the first can or the second can at a high rate and then they're settling in. So I guess that's where they're making most of their time and because they're in a pack, then that progressively get got got bigger, right? So yeah, Langawi was a chance to try and rectify that a little bit and we did better at that. And you did a pretty, you did a bit better there, eh? Yeah, I think it was like whatever it was, a minute or something down off the front group, which was fine and and did actively try just to go hard right from the start. So again, Noose is going to be um, next level on that as well. So we'll just have to be on a game there and, yeah. and give everything from the start. So, but yeah, the, these races are just about putting some of those things like the learning from Sunshine Coast together and then doing it in Langawi, doing it in Noosa, doing it in Melbourne. And, and hopefully it's, you know, we come together with, we're not going to ride with brakes on from now on and, and that sort of shit. So it's, it's um, 70.3. We can afford to be able to back some of these up a little bit more than investing nine weeks or eight weeks in an Ironman block and, and hoping for all of that to not happen on an Ironman day, for example. Yeah. So you're going to do this um, Noosa, you're going to do this uh, Melbourne, then you Harvey Bay 100, which is like a... 100, which is like, like a, a 2K swim or 1.9 swim? Yeah, 2K swim, 80K two, bike and 18K, 18K run. run. Yeah, it's quite yeah. an interesting distance, that one. Um, in the heat, and then you're going to come back to New Zealand and do Taupo 70.3 December. Um, there's a bit of a casual one called the Suffer at Rorua, which is always a bit of a interesting one. Uh, yeah. Then it's the Port of Tauranga half in January. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in New Zealand. So you would have done a fair bit of racing in pro races. And I suppose that's one thing. It's just like going in those and seeing what happens, um, trying your best. Simon Cochran, now, good friend, has always said that, hasn't he? To be fair. Just like learn from races. And, and, yeah. 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 So um, no, it should be good. It's going to be awesome. Yep. Yep. Be good. Um, what else are you feeling? The, the um, it's getting hot over there in Aussie. How's that for training? It is. It's it's a epic time of the year to be honest, Grant. It's like you were over here for Sunshine Coast, and that was just on the verge of of going that way, and it's it's really ticked into that at the moment. I mean, the the sun is up at you know just after four thirty. Um, it's warm, but it's not. It hasn't got that humidity into it yet, but it's still the 28, 29, 30, stretching out to the 32, 33s. So it's hot um, and you just feel like you get the long days. Um, it's a really nice time of the year. But, you know, roll around through late December, uh, January, February, it's that humidity will be here. So it's a good time yeah, to come and back New Zealand, home. New Zealand will be coming good by then. Yeah, exactly. Good time yeah. to come back home. Um, it's not good here at the moment. Like, I, honestly, it's like we've, we've got the first – tail end of the cyclone for the season which seems friggin early i hear that i actually saw quite a bit today on the news um back home just how again the coromandel were getting hammered just yeah, the so what, what's it, what is it the cyclone lola or lily or 
Luco or something. I don't know. They're all the same, but it's like actually pretty strong. Um, it was interesting. It was supposed to come. Thank God it didn't come. It's come today, but it didn't. Um, yesterday was actually the Auckland Marathon. Um, mm. It was supposed to be here for that. You know, oh, God, how would you, you be feeling? Um, I'm talking to you the day before, and you're going, yeah, well, they're talking about contingency plans of running the entire race on the other side of the bridge and not including the Harbour Bridge because it's too windy to run across. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a bummer. <laughs> um, but anyway, it, as it turned out, it was a little bit windy. Um, but even the wind that there was, it was sort of was a tailwind to start with, then a little headwind and then a cross tail. And then by the time we got down to the Auckland waterfront, it wasn't actually too bad. Um, and then if it was bad at all, at least when you were coming home the last uh, seven or eight K, it was a tailwind. So um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Uh, yeah, nice. And you were uh, you were out there in full force in supporter mode, clearing the, uh, <clears throat> clearing the road for your athletes to come through? Well, the thing is that the um, Rugby World Cup final was on while the marathon was on, which was you know, poor timing. But as it turns out, good timing. Um, so oh, there's been quite a lot said about that, and it sounds like it was just a complete shit show of refereeing. Um, so I'm never going to watch that game, um, which I'm actually quite pleased about. So You mean you're never going to watch a replay? No. Yeah, right. Yeah. No. And, you know, all this um, red card stuff, um, you know, just to remind myself about the good old days, this is a little bit of diversion, but I just went back and watched just now on my phone a replay of uh, the All Blacks playing Wales in 1987, and uh, it was on Eden Park, and and uh, a Welshman comes out of the scrum, and he's got the one of our locks, Gary Wetton, and he's throwing punches at Wetton, who's, who's just sort of huddled up trying to sort of avoid the punches. Um, ref blows that up and says, so step away. So this guy, Hugh Richards, I think was his name, great Welsh name, he steps back. And as he's stepping back, our captain, um, Buck Shelford, steps up and just flattens him, knocks him, knocks him out. Um, and, and you know, there's a bit of hoo-ha and uh, Ref sort of takes control and he um, sort of says, oh, that's fair enough, he deserved it. So he sends the Welshman off. <laughs> Welshman has been knocked unconscious by Shelford. Oh, we started a bit of a fight that's not on, so he, he sent him off. But you know, that's that's that. Now you have an accidental head clash, and that's the interview for the whole um, oh, bloody stupid sport. They should go back to the 1980s. Um, oh, classic. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah. um, so but the, uh, I, I just on that real quick, um, yeah, just touch on your athletes, I think, just real oh, quick. Oh, yes, yeah, so I, I had two athletes on that. I had my son. Um, Sam, who's 22, and that was really his first marathon, and he hadn't concentrated as much as he should have on putting the build up he needed to. He had a couple of good long runs, and he's a good runner. Um, so he took off at, I don't know, like first half at 236 pace. So, you know, like um, 118 for the first half. Did that pretty easy, to be honest. Um, but he, he slowed down a bit to about 250 in the end. Um, yeah, in the, in the last eight or nine K, particularly. Uh, but yeah, he, he had a good time and he was pretty stoked. He won his age group, so he was all pretty happy. But um, there's another young woman I coach, Amelia Life, who's who's only 21, uh, and yeah, she's done a couple of good half marathons. I think she's done like a 119, I think 120 you know, for you know young lady just getting going mm-hmm. on a running career. Um, she, yeah, and she's a good runner. She trains pretty hard. Like she would really, um, she regularly puts in 150k weeks. Uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of zone two and stuff, but she does her sessions yeah, as prescribed, doesn't really miss them and 
you know, and then she she's also really good because when she does get tired, she she tells me, and we you know aim to have a couple of days off. She bounces back, and away she goes again. Um, but yeah, her first marathon when you're 21, and she ran 250 um, and came second overall, got a two and a half thousand dollar payday. So oh, it was just so exciting for her. Um, and yeah, it's just yeah, it's a good run for your first marathon as a young woman. Uh, I'm not sure. Just like, uh, speaking to speaking to her in particular, and I don't know whether you want to talk any more about it, but like whether how how she was as an athlete, say two or three years, two years ago particularly. Oh, just, she's just yeah, evolved. It's, it's, it's just, just her, her racing has evolved, right? Well, she couldn't race. She couldn't turn up to races, and I remember we went down to watch her yeah. at the, um, the waterfront half marathon, and you know she couldn't even get six or eight k's into it, and you know her mind would talk her out of it, and you know she's always a good runner, but. Oh, just yeah, it's just so such a cool thing as a coach to see that. I, um, you know, she paced herself perfectly the whole way. You know, just under four minute k's, didn't slow down the entire race. Just did exactly the same thing. Stayed in a group. She's pretty short and small, so she's able to draft off people. She, um, she just hung in there. And then when it when it busted up around the thirty three thirty four k mark, and um, you know, she got a minute or so on the lady who was third but then the lady who was in third was you know really putting in and coming back at her strongly putting time into her mm-hmm. I said to her I said hey you know like um you know we're at the business end of this race now you need to sew it up in the next 3k um and yeah next 3k she put 30 seconds back into that lady and that um third lady actually ended up in the medical tent they had to delay the prize coming because she was taking too long to come out so oh. she was sort of given it at Amelia and um Amelia just you know um, back. back for a young woman, and I, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, you gotta be proud, mate. That's, um, as I say, from where she was, yeah. and you were, you've been with her through that whole journey or process from yeah. when you say she could only get six to eight K through a race, and um, the wheels would fall off to where yeah. she is now. It's, um, there's got to be a huge amount of satisfaction from coaching and mentoring here on that side of things. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I knew she was running well, she did a thing where there's a quite a popular running event in New Zealand. The, the you know, running clubs go to called the Christchurch Road, the National Road Relays, which are out in Christchurch. And you start in Christchurch and run over the Port Hills and finish over in Akaroa somewhere. Um, and she did a 10K segment on that on the Saturday. And she ran, you know, 35 minutes for the 10K on the road. Bloody good effort. And, you know, she had a, a flight to get back the next, on the Sunday, but, you know, she got up at 5 a.m. and, did, did her two and a half hours around Hagley Park in Christchurch by herself in the dark um, in winter, um, got back on the flight. You know, I was just like, well, that's, uh, you know, that's quite something. And you know, a lot of people want to train and they want to be committed to their um, sport. But, yeah, she just, she's she doesn't miss. Um, and if she does miss, it's she discusses it with me and we, um, and she, you know, takes it a bit easier. So, yeah. Um, I think sometimes you're in, you're in disbelief as to what she's actually achieved in training because you set her some of these sessions, and uh, she goes and does it and does it exactly as you say. Well, I hadn't, and, I hadn't, uh, added, I hadn't added one up right recently, quite. So this one track session, the last big track session, and we just have a Tuesday track session. So the biggest the track session we set for this um, marathon, it was like um, four sets of. Uh, 400 on the track at VO2. So you're just going flat, flat out basically. So she's doing like, you know, 67 seconds or something. Oh, no, no. Uh, seven, uh, yeah, m- minute 16 or something. So 76 seconds. 
Um, but she's not stopping at that point. She's then going into 800 metres at threshold, so at a 10k pace. Um, so just dropping down to, say, 120 per 400. Um, and she's not done after she's done that. Then she's got 3k at marathon pace continuously on the track. Um, and then she just jogs for five minutes. And then she does that again uh, four, three, so you know, three more times, so four of those. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's, you know, I'm just trying to get it a you know, get fatigued, fatigue, fatigue on fatigue, and then get into marathon pace running and get that rhythm. Yeah. Um, and she's, you know, running sort of three fifty fives for a marathon pace on the track, which is fair enough. That's going to be about four minutes on a on a road type course. Um, and then I, I look at the track workout on um, the training software, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's an hour forty six workout, you know, over um, twenty seven k or something. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> it was a bit gnarly, but yeah, she did it, and I think actually did it up pretty well. But I'm not suggesting everyone go and do that workout. She's a pretty experienced runner now with a lot of miles, but gosh, that was um, yeah, it was a fairly brutal session. Nice, oh, I, good stuff. I haven't given you that session, have I? No. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did send it to me, going, uh, "Look what Amelia did." Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Shit. Yeah. Good stuff. But you, you, you of that sort of running with the. VO2 into threshold into race pace, probably more do like mm. do, do 2k or something at 70.3 pace or something. Yeah, uh, that's what we've got. Three times, yeah. not four times. Yeah, th- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Cool. Um, I think that kind of wraps up where we're at at the moment, eh? Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And, um, also, I don't think you say enough about the. You have actually got some pretty good sponsors, Matt, that really allow you have allowed you to have a go at doing this. Um, Care mm-hmm. Logistics, Mondio, um, your Felt Purpose, S Fuels. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, there's been there's been quite a bit of reflection in this, you know, the past many months of what I'm doing and and why why I'm doing it, and I, I come back to. I feel extremely fortunate and privileged to be able to do what I'm doing to, you know, I spent three or four weeks there in Southeast Asia around Singapore and Malaysia. I got to travel there and, um, you know, it's about going out there and being the best athlete you can be and putting the best demonstration on that you can be and wherever you finish in the field, well, that'll be that, you know, but I think the goal taking away of it is, the performance aspect and, and being a better athlete than you were the last race or the best athlete that you can be um, in terms of your potential. And that's, that's constantly what I'm striving for. You know, if there's going to be an athlete that runs faster than me on the day, then so be it. But um, you've, you've got to have the opportunity to be able to do that in the first place. And there's people that are backing me and supporting me and enabling me to do that. And it's, it's just, I, yeah, I don't actually have some the words to describe it, but you feel extremely fortunate and privileged to be able to call this uh, essentially your work or your job. Um, and you know Simon Cochran actually sums it up very well, and he's preached about it quite recently. Uh, um, you know, find something you love, and, and you, it does, it does, it's not work. It does, you, it's not your job. So um, that's kind of the feeling I've got at the moment. And I might not be out there standing on every single podium that I race, you know, that's certainly not the case, but um, 
Oh, yeah, but I think that's a great joy of sport and it, it also right. attracts other people to come along with you. It's all quite good fun. You know, I, I find it personally quite good fun and pretty rewarding to be part of a high-performance um, team. And, um, you know, I think there's plenty of other people like that. Yeah, honestly, like I, um, like my yesterday saying that we were just talking about with Amelia and Sam with that marathon, I mean, you know, there's not, I don't know where else in your life you get um, joy like that. They had a lot of it, but, you know, I certainly was able to, you know, be part of that. That's pretty cool as well. So I think you know, there's a lot of that stuff going on in sports, so you can bring that along with it. Um, interestingly, we'd had like a um, today or yesterday, I think I was just sent out a, little you know weekly training email to the um our little training group that i'm involved with um and i've got a new young guy coming on and he's you know not even that good yet but it was really cool to see everyone respond back to him and go oh yeah well you're in a high performance group and um this is what we do and you know there's this yeah there's just a lot of good things about um sport for testing yourself and bringing out the best in yourself and you can do that in other parts of the world as well especially business and those sorts of things um, and so these skills are transferable, but also it's a place where failures are right. Um, you know, other parts failure can be a little bit more catastrophic in life. So that's something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That'll that'll we'll call the uh, PK performance the uh, MK performance podcast for tonight, and that'll be the end of it. Eh? Cool. Hey, sounds good. Eh? Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. All right.